we'd like to welcome you to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. In this episode, we're talking about business automation and how getting out of the shop can get you the most. Here's what's coming up. Why would you want to automate your shop? Basically, you just, you have choices. That's what it comes down to. If you and I talked about it and you said, hey, I think this is a great sales process, I would have went, yeah, obviously, like I'm thinking now. But in the front of it, I wasn't thinking about how we set up the estimate for sales. The inspection process ensures that we, as a company, are looking at the cars the right way every time for us. If you're performing in 90% and you've got four guys who can perform at 75, 80%, they're performing less than you, but they're performing almost three to four times as much as you. For a better business, a better life, a better industry, the Institute's Leading Edge. All right. Uh, We would like to welcome you to the Leading Edge, uh, episode number eight, I believe. Uh, Today, we're going to be discussing um, automating your business and finding efficiencies within your business, kind of a systems and processes approach. Uh, online today, we have uh, Kent Bullard. Kent is the, what is your title here, Kent? Uh, Vice President of Operations. He's my operations guy, and he's also my marketing guy, so uh, he's doing a bang-up job, and he understands this quite well, being a C personality. We have uh, uh, Patrick Howard, Star Automotive and uh, Consultant at the Institute. Uh, Patrick, uh, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And... Uh, we have Ryan Klo. Ryan Klo, I would say, is probably one of the best I know at uh, uh, systems and processes. He's also a C personality, drives uh, uh, Patrick and I crazy. Um, so, uh, Ryan, welcome, and we're going to look forward to hearing your um, wisdom uh, uh, in this particular area. Now, I think it uh, to begin here, it's kind of... Um, uh, maybe not every shop owner's dream, but a lot of shop owners' dreams really uh, to, you know, have a business that kind of runs on its own, a business that I could leave and uh, and things would still happen the way they need to happen. I'd still make money even if I wasn't standing at the service counter or being in my business every day. And I also think that probably there's a majority of the shop owners out there that feel somewhat trapped uh, in their business, uh, like the business is running them. They have to be there or nothing happens correctly. Uh, they're kind of the shell answer man, uh, meaning that uh, every single problem ends up on their plate. So um, uh, let's start uh, with uh, with you, Patrick. How do you keep from being uh, the, the answer man in, in your company? Well, I first off, it starts with training. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, it starts off with training. Having your having your people trained well, having the right people and they're doing the right jobs. <clears throat> and secondly, it's having a, a system and a process for everything, right? Uh, there's a process for the way we intake a car. There's a process for the way we look at a car. There's a process for the way we diagnose a car, right? If we have all those, uh, in theory, it should work that way. <laughs> okay. Um, but is, isn't it, isn't as much about the people as it is about the process? Um, I think, you know, you, if, if you don't have good people in place, then your process doesn't get followed. It doesn't happen. Or is that just a, a function of management? Um, uh, 
What do you think, Patrick? Uh, I think I think it's a little bit of both. Um, if if you don't have if you don't have the right people. Um, there's some give and take there. If, you, if you've got the right people who buy into the vision, uh, who, who believe in the system, right, uh, they're going to do their job. If you don't have the right people, then it's going to require a lot more management on, on you know, the, the owner or the manager. Uh, it's going to require a lot more uh, management leadership skills. Okay. Um, uh, Orion, what, what, what about how, how do you – I know that you don't work uh, in your business very often. In fact, you might want to let uh, people know kind of what your normal schedule is today. Um, it's a little, which by the way, it's probably a little busier than you were, you know, a year ago because now you have a second uh, shop. But um, um, how do you? Uh, how how have you made it possible for you not to be in the shop twenty four seven? Right. I mean, a couple things come to mind. Um, I mean, a little bit of an aside, I think, um, I mean, you said in the beginning, you know, shop owners have this dream to get out of their business or they feel trapped. I can say, yeah, Yeah. I think a lot of the ones that feel trapped are the ones that dream about this, you know, desire to get out of it. And I think it's not even like being trapped or getting out of it. There's a middle ground that we need to strive Mm -hmm. for. You know, we were talking about that just a little bit before we started. It doesn't have to be this either or like I'm all into my shop. Um, it's, it's a lot of things. It's the classic working on the business instead of in the business. Um, specifically, I'm not a technician and I'm not a service advisor. So uh, there's a lot of shop owners out there whose, whose daily work looks a lot different. Um, I think when I ask the question of why would you want to automate your shop, basically you just you have choices. That's what it comes down to. Now, you can choose to work in the shop. You might choose to work on the shop. And I can talk a little bit about more about what working on the shop is. Um, to answer your question about my work schedule, it varies. You know, there are, there's times where it's, you know, it's, it's a few hours per week. Uh, and that gives me those options I talked to you about to work on the other shop, to consult, you know, for the Institute and help other people out. Or uh, I do a little work with Ratchet and Wrench. It gives me, you know, options. Now, uh, my shops are always my, you know, my first priority. So if there's a growth spurt, if we have to, you know, uh, when we, when we bought a new building, I mean, I, wor- I went back to those, you know, really, really heavy weeks to really make that happen. Or um, if we have some turnover in the shop and I'm the human resources person, uh, I think a really good question also is what, what tasks do I retain? What are the tasks of working on the business? Um, and, and everything else, everyone else is going to tell you, I mean, yes, in order to automate it, you have to find the time to create processes or start with some templates and modify them for your shop and lay out. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. So we get the same result every time. And when we don't get the results, you are in effect the manager. It may not be a day-to-day manager, but it's a, you know, uh, in the bigger picture, kind of steering the ship, you know, gently over weeks and over months. I think, um, I think there's some real benefit, not just in, you know, creating process, but in kind of going through your workflow and how things happen in your business or how they should happen. And taking it kind of step by step, you know, customer calls, how is that handled? How should that be handled? Uh, you know, we make an appointment. How does that go on the book? You know, what's there? Uh, customer comes in. How do we write the ticket up? How do we ask questions? You know, kind of all the way through, you know, the customer leaves the business. And then afterwards, we do a follow-up call. What does that look like? Uh, I think when you start to lay that out, 
you can create efficiencies uh, in the business. Uh, you can find areas that you're not doing as well as you probably could or should, um, uh, and uh, and create some real efficiencies in your business. And and I would say there's another aspect to it that is probably getting the team involved in creating this and being a part of it, uh, because it also makes their life easier uh, than uh, just the owner's life easier. Um, Ken, I mean, you're you're not a shop guy. You're the guy that runs the institute. How does system and process? Um, how does it affect you here at the institute? Um, <clears throat> well, so so take even just these episodes. There's a system and a standard that I've developed for these, so that I'm no longer going through and trying to piece an episode together. It takes me, you know, a third the amount of time, and now they're all structured the exact same way. So it's kind of just promoting that consistency to the people who are going to be engaging in our content. Um, and there's, there's other areas that I've done this in uh, with, with especially our, 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 our media production. That's just an easier one to say, cause they're project by project basis. Um, but even our communication is, is standardized, you know, the, um, and there's an interesting comment here by uh, Sridhar. Um, uh, he says, I forgot is the result of relying on memory. Systems and automation eliminate the need to draw from memory. Um, you know, why do we have systems and processes in our business? Um, does, does a good system or good process make the business more efficient? Uh, uh, does a good system or process allow for better training? And, and does it create a better product for our clients? Patrick? Absolutely. Um, you know, when I, I'm kind of in the position where I can, I can leave a little bit, uh, but I still have to be here because there's that, I'm still the rudder of the business, right? I'm still steering the ship and there's constant little corrections we have to make, <clears throat> but, but having the process established, uh, for me, it started with what, what, what do I want to achieve, right? So if I want a consistent result, I have to have a process for the way I intake my customers, for the way I answer the phone, for the way I do my follow-up calls, for the way I inspect my cars. So by having all that establishment, and I work backwards from who, who are we and what, what do we want to be known as, right? Um, so that was, that was how I came to, you know, where I wanted to be. Okay. Um, uh, uh, but, but Patrick, um, or not Patrick, we're, we're going to go to, to Ryan. Ryan, um, it takes so much time to, to create these systems and processes. Oh my God. Um, you know, I, I don't have time to do that kind of thing. <laughs> Come on, man. Why would I do, why would I take away from the time that I'm spending doing, uh, you know, fixing cars and all that and, 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 uh, and create this stuff. It, it's a pain the in the butt. It's a tough question. I've been there and I've, I've seen a lot of other people that have been there. Um, I mean, the simple answer is sometimes it has to get a little harder before it gets a little easier. You know, yeah. um, it's to teach a person to fish instead of just giving them the fish. I mean, you have to, you have to find that time. Uh, I know for me, uh, hiring a certain coach helped a lot. Uh, just basically here, just do a couple of these things. Here's some processes that have already been just to get a, get me off the ground. And once I was off the ground, the light bulb went off, and I'm like, oh, wow, I get this. Uh, I get why this is important. Now I'm going to make the time. I mean, we, it's true. Everyone will say it. You make time for what's a priority in your life. And 
there's a certain time you'll understand if I can somehow carve out the time or sacrifice. And I hate to say sometimes sacrificing might be a little bit of customer service or a little, you might, your business might have to struggle for a little bit while you just, you know, grind through and, and, and try to, you know, convince the team, here's my vision, here's where I see us. And, you know, you guys with me and we're going to try to make these changes and it's going to be hard, but I'm doing this because I think this is what's better. Um, and, you know, I had some hard conversations with some employees. Most of them stuck around. One or two, you know, didn't like it and, you know, stuck it out for a little while. It wasn't easy. But let me tell you, uh, that, that chaos factor. I mean, if there's a KPI that you, it's kind of harder to track or put a number on, but everybody knows what it is, it's the chaos factor. Uh, and that's ultimately what I think got, you know, uh, a lot, lot better in my shops and the shops I've worked with. You know, I, I it's it, it's interesting to me that I what I hear on and on and on is I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. And yet, not having a good process in place is making it so that I don't have time. It's the hamster wheel of running the business. Um, you know, uh, uh, I think that uh, I, I hate meetings. I mean, I absolutely don't like meetings. Uh, they always go longer than I want. It doesn't seem like we always get everything done we want. But I also know how necessary they are for the success of the company in the in the long run, right? Um, uh, uh, Patrick, do, do you have regular communication? Are your people involved with creating processes or adjusting processes? Uh, yes and no. Um, I, I pretty much... Um, have established uh, the benchmark for what we're going to do. Um, it wasn't too hard to, I've been very fortunate. Uh, not everybody is in the same situation. Um, when I bought this business, there was already people who were ready for a change. Uh, there was a change coming. They knew it was coming. So I was able to keep some of those people and bring on some people that I'd already worked with in my business who already knew what, what, what we achieve by doing these things. Um, so I was, I've been very fortunate, but for, for those uh, uh, that are in Ryan's situation where you have um, something that was established before and then making a change, that can be very daunting. Um, it's, it's, it's about having good, I would recommend daily meetings. Uh, I'm working with a client now, you know, I, he's having some issues with, uh, getting his team to do inspections. And I said, until, until you get them to do it the way you want to, you have to do a lot of walk around management, have daily meetings, keep reinforcing the value of what's going to happen. It takes a lot of time and energy, but if you don't, if you don't invest that time and energy into your business, I'm a firm believer is you, you get in, you get out what you put in. Uh, if you put that time and energy into it, you'll, you'll reap the rewards. I think there's a um, I think there's a necessity to trust my staff. Um, you know, um, when when it's no longer me doing the work on the car, or it's no longer me selling them the job, um, my staff is not going to be me. So, are we accepting a lower performance from staff? Uh, than we would from ourselves or, or, or not? I mean, is, is there something 
you know, I have a guy that owns multiple stores and he always says, I have to do discounting because otherwise I can't fill my stores. Right. Um, is there some level of performance that I need to accept that is not my level of performance from my staff? Kent, what, do you, what would you say to that? Well, say if you're, if you're performing at 90% and you've got four guys who can perform at, at 75, 80%, they're performing less than you, but they're performing four times, almost, you know, three to four times as much as you, right? As far as getting the work done and getting it, it through. Um, and I think you do have to expect something like that. Nobody's going to do it the way that you do it specifically. Um, but once you get somebody up to say 80%, and it's established and it's functioning, then you can go back and start to kind of fine tune it to get their performance up throughout. You can't expect them to start exactly where you're at. I think there's also this kind of this idea that there's more than one ways to do a particular job. I mean, Kent, you and I had a, I don't know, two hour discussion about something the other day. Um, and, uh, ultimately the decision was made to do it one way when I think both ways would have been okay. But, you know, um, I think sometimes you have to, to look at it and, and give it up. Is there some ego involved in all of this, Patrick? I mean, is, is, it my, is my ego going to get bruised because I can't be the guy that's going to make all the decisions or I shouldn't be the guy? Well, uh, you know, you got to leave your ego at the door. Um, I, I, I'm, I've, I've entrusted my team. I, I try to empower my team. I try to, I try to be passively managing my team. Uh, I don't micromanage. Uh, we have meetings about issues. We talk about them. We get them, get them aired out. I don't hold grudges. Um, I, I, I expect a certain standard of performance from them. Um, I'm very clear about that. I set goals for them. Um, and if they're not reaching those goals, then we've got to talk about that. Uh, is there a certain amount of ego? Of course there is. This is, you know, for most shop owners, this is their baby. They created this, right? Um, uh, there's, there's the thing is it's this is not going to look the same for everybody um what one person what ryan does is good for ryan it may not be good for me uh what i do i know is probably not good for ryan because i do things differently it's 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 really a matter of your personal preference and what you're looking for and what you want what do you want from your business what do you want from your team what are your expectations um for me, my expectations are, are pretty high. I, I, I expect a, a very high standard of level of work, um, but I hire and train and do all the things that uh, you would expect from high-performing employees. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I got I to gotta speak here for a second uh, about something else we're doing. I'm going to add a commercial. Sorry. Uh, this is uh, the Institute. We have a new service advisor uh, training program. I think it is probably the best uh, thing that the industry has to offer. It's nobody's done it like that. Uh, um, service mastery. It is a 12 month program. Uh, we'll be working with your people every single month along with the owners, uh, assigning things online. They'll be attending classes. Uh, we'll be assigning them things based on their skill levels and where they have issues. Uh, look into our service mastery. You can find that online or you can send us a message here at uh, um, what's the, what's the email here, Kent? Institute at ifrabe.com. Institute at ifrabe.com. Uh, send us a question. Um, uh, Patrick, how do you feel about our, our new service, uh, uh, mastery training? 
I'm excited about it. It's going to be the best thing out there. Um, I'm super, super excited about uh, working with a lot of different guys. Um, the nice thing I, the nice thing about it is, uh, we we're going to tailor it to to their specific needs. Some guys are going to be stronger at some things. Some guys are going to be weaker at other things. We have everything to address all of those issues, and it's fantastic. It's funny. I had somebody um, ask me if it was for new service advisors, brand new to the industry, and I think it's probably not only is it designed for guys that have been in here a long time to help them with whatever issues they have, but I think for new people it's going to be even better uh, because it's going to take them from A to Z, uh, 73 different uh, concepts that they're going to be taught and reinforced. Uh, Ryan, you you um, just kind of were introduced to this about a week ago. How, what was your reaction to the program? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much detail you want want me to give away. Not too much. We we don't want to go on forever. Yeah, I was definitely definitely impressed. Um, you know, it's something that's very needed in our industry, and and definitely the way you guys are going about it, it, it definitely hasn't hasn't been done this way, and I like that. And there's already so much collective knowledge in this company. Um, I'm really excited to see what see what's going to happen with it. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and uh, and Kent's been very very involved in uh, the setup and all of that. Uh, uh, Kent, why is this different than uh, what we've had in the industry before? Um, I would say that as far as tracking performance and being able to tailor fit education with the variable modules, as well as having it gamified in the sense that advisors are going to be competing for challenges, and and it's all. Um, the data is all balanced, so somebody can't outperform someone else because they are from a European or specialty shop versus a general repair shop. They're, they're all balanced based on our margins and numbers that we know after years and years of, of working with shops. So it's collecting data. It's, it's pretty cool. They get to earn points and, and progress through, and, and then we get to show uh, shop owners and advisors, look, you started here, and here's where you ended up. And there's also some little bits of data there that'll show how much performance they've really, you increased. know, increased in, 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 as far as, uh, actual dollars. So that's right. cool. Um, I, I'm totally excited about it, especially the gamification part where they can earn in rewards as individuals and as teams. I think it's going to really motivate them to perform. Uh, I'm currently writing the contract between the owner and the, uh, uh, um, uh, between the owner and the service advisor. I think it's going to be great. All right, so there's the short commercial. Sorry for that. Uh, needed to talk about that just a little bit. Let's get back on uh, the concept of uh, um, modifying uh, my business so that it can run on its own or uh, creating systems and process. Um, uh, when we talk about systems and processes, Ryan, what do you think are the top four or five uh, processes you absolutely have to have uh, in your company. Um, and then I'm going to talk about, or I'm going to try to bring that around to what makes me the most money or gives me the most bang for the buck. That's a tough one. I mean, there are, I mean, easily 50 processes in any given shop, whether they're formal or not, they exist. You know, people have a way of doing it. Um, standardization is a way to kind of get everyone on the same page so that everyone is not necessarily doing it differently. When I think about automation, I think, um, I mean, I can't ignore the finances. Uh, that's a big one. So my processes for tracking that, you know, what my gross profit is, uh, how I'm pulling that data and how I'm using that data is imperative. Uh, my management processes, which KPIs I'm tracking, 
um, how I understand those KPIs and how I use the knowledge of those KPIs to steer the ship. You know, when my, um, you know, average ticket or uh, average opportunity, that's one that a lot of shops don't track, you know, the total work on the car, why would I track that? When that goes down, what does that mean? Um, so I'm looking at, you know, finances is a pretty big one. I think a lot of people are on that sort of uh, management and KPIs is a big one. Um, the people process is huge. And that's an area that I've kind of been more focused on in my own shops and just been talking with a lot of other shop owners and clients about is the human resources because everybody knows we have this shortage right now. So, man, shops HR processes are just not on point. And that makes a huge difference when it comes to how we are marketing, um, how we are finding people, how we are, you know, interviewing them, onboarding them, keeping them in the business, rewarding them, all of that. And with a shortage of good people, we can't afford to, to lack in that. And I think everybody agrees, when it, but when it comes to automation, the people are, you know, probably the most important. So, so I'm looking at or finance, management, people, um, and finally, you know, in, in terms of automo automation in, in that conversation, you know, processes would be probably the division of the work. What work am I as an owner going to retain versus, you know, what am I going to, you know, delegate to the rest of the staff? What, what things are, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll carry on the other conversation in a minute, but what, what things are you retaining that you don't have someone else do? I mean, a lot of it pertains to those things that I just mentioned that are really, really important. I mean, the finances for sure. Um, now, I happen to do my bookkeeping. A lot of people don't like it. I'm not saying you have to be your own bookkeeper, but you certainly have to be a CFO. I mean, at least looking at those financial reports on a regular basis, I, you know, if you're not doing that, that's, that's kind of square one. Uh, so I'm, def I'm retaining that right there. Uh, in terms of the, you know, the KPIs, it's up to me to you know, monitor those on a regular basis. I choose weekly, every week. I look at the previous weeks, you know, not just sales, but again, I mentioned average opportunity, average repair order, car count. Uh, we started tracking future appointments as a way to kind of try to predict trends throughout the years. And uh, that's been interesting to see how that's kind of played out. We, we track, I mean, anything, basically anytime I get burned on something, I throw it in my sheet. Um, I started tracking accounts receivable. Um, and not, not that we give people their cars back, but, uh, hey, this job has been done for two weeks. Why has this car not been picked up? You know, uh, sometimes service advisors, the car's done, and like, well, I did my job, and it's been sitting there, and it's like, hey, that money's not, not in the bank. So that, those are just a couple of examples of how I've managed and uh, additional KPIs that are suited for my shop. And I like what both of you guys said about flexibility. Uh, absolutely, there's not one way it's going to work for every shop. Uh, I love the idea of being flexible and and tailoring it to your individual needs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely all over the KPIs uh, and, and not micromanaging and basically saying, here's the result that I'm looking for. Uh, like you said, it's Cecil, you and Kent both had an idea that would have worked. I'm not going to micromanage that. If we either one gets the result, you know, uh, let the, let the staff be empowered and engaged, give them that control. I'm, I'm trying to learn that lesson. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> uh, I'm still a doer at heart. Um, I'm still struggling with the same thing that a lot of shop owners are struggling with. Um, in a consulting company, this is the first time I've been at this place where I have to have other people uh, uh, take over if my company's going to grow. And uh, it's an interesting place to be. I'm still trying to adjust uh, myself and figure out the KPIs for this business that I need to be looking at on a regular basis. Um, 
Uh, Patrick, what are the four or five uh, things that you look at um, regularly that you pay attention to? Uh, number one is finances. Um, I keep an eye on, uh, obviously, the finances. We just had a situation where I was behind on some of my finances and some of our parts margin got out of whack for a month and uh, it really affected the bottom line. And uh, so we've got that fixed. Uh, I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> um, finances, obviously, number one. Um, I'm a big proponent of the inspection process. Um, if you don't have a good inspection process, and I pound this into the guys, the, the inspection process ensures that we as a company are looking at the cars the right way every time for us, whatever that is for us, right? What, what, what my expectation is, the way we're going to look at it. Um, the intake process and, and, and how we handle customers on the phone kind of go hand in hand, just how we deal with customers, those processes, that's super important. So our customer service, uh, the way we greet a customer, the way we greet, greet them on the phone, and uh, those would be my top, top three. Um, outside of that, everything's important, you know, and it's going to be different for everybody. I think, I think for anybody running a business, uh, number one is going to be your finances. You got to take a look at it and you got to understand them. Uh, if you don't understand them and you're struggling, uh, give us a call, uh, reach out to somebody. Uh, there's a lot of people out there, even any of us would be willing to give you a hand. I, I think um, in my business, going back, thinking back to the shop, you know, when I came in, I was pretty lucky when I came in to manage the shop because Larry Moore, the owner, had done a lot of systems and processes. I just really had to mop some things up, make some adjustments. Mm -hmm. uh, the things that I looked at fairly regularly, uh, as far as KPIs, daily I looked at productivity and sales as my KPIs. I didn't look at margin on a day-to-day -day basis. I looked at margin basically on a monthly basis because if you have a good process for estimating, then your margin should be there. There should be no reason why you don't have uh, a parts margin at least. Um, I looked at productivity because productivity creates labor margin and having a good process for looking at these numbers and a good system that gave me the numbers every day helping me stay aware. And, and I'll, I'll use an example. Average apparator was another thing that I looked at daily. So those, those three, we had a, a, an instance where we had our average apparator drop by about $250. So we were 750, we went down to 500. Uh, we worked on 13 cars a day. Uh, when you do the math, uh, uh, that 250 cost me um, almost three grand a day in uh, additional sales or about $1,500 in uh, gross profit that would have went into the company to pay the bills and, and, and be profit. When you allow that to happen over a long period of time, because you're not looking uh, at those numbers and you, you know, a month later you look at the P and L that comes out and you go, wow, man, we really didn't do what we were supposed to do. Um, it's, it's so much has gone by in 30 days. We could have lost $90,000 worth of sales yep. and $45,000 worth of GP. So that's something that I looked at. I think the inspection process is 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 really probably the most important process I have in the whole company. Um, you know, I have a job to do for my client. At least in my in my world, my job is to take care of that car. And uh, sometimes, even though the client doesn't want to, 
I at least have to talk about it, bring it up and say, look, here's what you need for your car. Um, if I don't, I don't feel good if I'm not doing that job. And the good news is, is that when I'm taking care of the car, I'm also making myself profitable, uh, which could be an issue. Um, uh, walk us through your inspection process, um, uh, Ryan, would you? Sure. Um, I mean, I think it starts with which cars you're going to inspect. And the, the standard answer is every car, unless the car has been in our shop within the last 30 days. Mm -hmm. uh, we do use a digital inspection. Uh, pictures help sell. That's a simple answer there. Um, so the inspection has been standardized. Every car gets the, gets the same inspection. Um, we've tried to pre-program the digital inspection to make it a little more efficient. There's a lot of drop-down menus with standard things. You can do voice to text. We've tried to, you know, work through that process over the years. And I go back to that, that comment about getting burned. I mean, anytime we ever get burned, that's your cue. Go back and change the inspection so that doesn't happen again without making the inspection cumbersome. That's always a, a, a personal discussion to each shop. Like, yeah, there's a balance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's I some things like... You know, that would be on an inspection maybe for a Euro shop that might not be on a general shop, et cetera. Um, yeah, I mean, we uh, absolutely we do a test drive. We check the oil before we leave the shop. I mean, that's kind of square one. I mean, if someone drops a car off with low oil and you drive it, then you're never going to live that one down. So we check the oil before we test drive it. We test drive it. We throw it on the rack. We do the underhood. We do the undercar. Uh, and we write everything up that we find. Um, and part of the... I. I alluded to that KPI of um, total opportunity per car, that is a metric that will help you determine if your inspections are finding everything. Uh, and by that, you know, if you start tracking the total opportunity, I mean, it varies by part of the country, but if anything less than $1,000, you're probably not finding uh, everything on the car. Um, and upwards of $1,500, uh, those are some kind of ranges that you might find for all the work that the car needs. So uh, that's kind of the, the basics of our inspection. Okay, um, uh, uh, Patrick, would you, do you have anything to add to that, or do you think that that's Ryan does it? We both use digital inspections. Uh, we check the oil before we test drive the car. Uh, once we've determined that the oil level is okay, car gets test driven. We pull it in the bay. <clears throat> uh, then we check all the fluids, uh, test every battery, test the charging system. Uh, we just systematically go through. We check all the fluids. Um, once we do the inspection, then if there was any customer concern, then we go address that. So the inspection gets done first so we can start processing anything that we find and start writing it up. Uh, and, then, and then if there's diagnosis involved, then we diagnose the car at, at that point. That way, when he's done diagnosing the car, at least everything else is written up. And then you put the, the, the customer's concern on top always. Uh, as yes, always on top. All right. Um, yep. Yep. I, I had a quality control process in, in my shop around inspections, work orders. Um, so I would look at my KPI, and if my opportunity was probably less than a 1,000, as Ryan said, now, by the way, that number today would be higher for me. And if I was in a European shop only, it would be even higher. Um, but in a general repair shop, which is what we were, uh, you know, 12 years ago, uh, if our opportunity wasn't uh, at least $1,000, then I knew pretty much that something was happening in my inspection process. So that's a KPI that I looked at that opportunity. And I always tell people, you can't sell it if you didn't find it. 
uh, and I would also uh, add to that, you also can't sell it if you don't estimate it. Everything gets estimated that we find on the car. And if we don't trust our technicians to do that job properly, then we better think about, you know, who do we get to replace them uh, that we can trust. Um, I had a QC process around the work order. So I created a packet uh, that I could look at. And uh, um, I looked at uh, one day's worth of work orders every single week. And I looked at the original uh, complaint from the customer. I then went to the mileage on the car and the age of the car, because in my mind, that creates a picture for me. You know, if I get a car that's three years old, it's got uh, 15,000 miles on it, what are we going to see? Or what should we see, right? Yeah. Uh, cabin air filter, air filter, uh, oil change. Uh, yeah. Probably we shouldn't be seeing much. But if I get a car and it's got 110,000 miles on it, now that's a different picture in my head. And so I would look at the, uh, back then we didn't have DVIs, so there was no digital vehicle inspections. I would look at the inspection sheet. What did the technician find? Um, I would look at the estimate sheet. How did it get translated to the estimate? Did it get translated to the estimate? And then I look at the finished repair order. If we didn't sell it, did it get to the ticket on a recommendation uh, so that we could follow up with it later with, with the customer, with the, with the client? Um, I think that was one of the most important processes that I had as a manager of that business because there were so many flags that would be, you know, um, I used to create three piles. I'd have one, two, three. Everything's perfect. Uh, uh, obviously, there's problems on this work order, no signature, uh, uh, pricing's not right, whatever. And then I had the middle pile that was um, what I call questionable. We have a car in with 110,000 miles, and, and all we did was change the oil and put a set of wiper blades on it. Uh, to me, that's questionable. Um, and then uh, if my pile in the middle was big, uh, I had a problem. If I only had one work order there in the middle, then, okay, maybe it was the one Chrysler in the universe that, that at 110,000 miles didn't need anything but an oil change and a set of wiper blades. Um, I would pass it on. Um, yeah. Ryan, how often – you said you look at numbers weekly. What report are you using to look at your numbers? What, how are you looking at your numbers weekly? The majority of the numbers – you know, come from my management system. I happen to use Protractor. Um, sometimes you're going to have to get your numbers from a couple different places. You know, if you're still using QuickBooks, you may have to get some of your metrics from there. Um, if you're using a payroll system, you might need to get some, you know, uh, cost of labor data there. If you're using a marketing system or a, a dashboard, I mean, we pull some, some of our marketing data out of that. Um, and the digital inspections, a lot of them are uh, additional. Um, so we even pull you know, some of our data from there, you mentioned uh, quality control. And I know that's an, it has been a concern with digital inspections. Um, our particular inspection allows us to see how many cars came in, how many of those got an inspection, how many were complete. So it, it allows you, what you're hoping for is with more of a push of a button, you can, you can determine compliance as opposed to doing it the old fashioned way. Mm -hmm. But in the absence of that, I mean, the old fashioned way is to, to randomly pick, you know, just pick a work order and say, I'm going to go check this one out. Um, I'm going to go look at the car. Um, is everything complete? I mean, we, we had a guy years ago that we just didn't trust. And sometimes we had to pull a car in after hours and kind of go over it when he wasn't there. And then, Hey, Hey man, you know, we got a problem here. You're not, you know, you're not checking all this. So, um, it's kind of going to depend on the shop and which, you know, what, what software you have in place. But, you know, if you're not holding <laughs> features, if you don't understand the reporting features, really, really, really get with the tech support of that company and say, 
I need this data to help me. You know, almost every, uh, especially the automotive software companies out there, I mean, they have staff that are trained, you know, to help you get this data yep. and understand it. Um, uh, Patrick, do you have systems around selling? Absolutely. Your clients? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, could you reframe the question? Uh, of course we do. <laughs> All right. So, so what, what do you think are, you know, in, in terms of selling, what do you think is your most important system okay. in selling, right? Well, uh, the most important is the way we structure our, our uh, estimates. Um, customers comp complaint first. Uh, safety, um, anything that will save them money by doing it, uh, and then by doing it with anything else, and then uh, uh, maintenance. Uh, that's that's a very important uh, process. We don't want to sell anybody anything uh, without solving their problem. We don't want to sell them anything additional without solving their problem. Um, that's number one important. Um, I've seen too many times people well, we couldn't find anything, but we're going to sell you this. Uh, you need a tranny flush, and, uh, you know, they leave, and the check engine light comes back on. Uh, that's, that's bad business. It doesn't create trust with your customers. Uh, that We want to avoid that at all costs. Kind of blows me away because I'm, I, I, I never, when I talk about sales processes, um, I, I, I if you and I talked about it and you said, Hey, I think this is a great sales process. I would have went, yeah, obviously like I'm thinking now, but in the front of it, I wasn't thinking about how we set up the estimate for sales. Okay. Um, I know it's really important. I mean, I teach it. That's some of the things that I teach, but I don't, it's funny cause I don't, what I'm thinking about in sales is, you know, Hey, Mr. Customer, here's what you need. Here's, here's why you need it. Those kind of those scripts, those, Oh yes. Those, you know, gotcha. et cetera. Okay. Uh, when I think about sales, I think about doing the walk around, going out to the car, checking the mileage, looking at the car, having a brief conversation with the customer, building rapport, uh, you know, as a process. Gotcha. Uh, I think dispatch is, and how you do dispatch, which scheduling has to come into play there. I've seen so many shops that have too many cars actually coming in, very low average per. They're working very hard. They don't have time to find the work on the car. The tech doesn't have the time. The service provider doesn't have the time to write it up. Um, you know, um, is there a, uh, uh, not Patrick, uh, um, Ryan, right. for some reason I keep seeing Patrick just because he's in that top <laughs> corner on my screen. Um, Ryan, is there, uh, is, there a, is there a best process for uh, um, bringing that customer in and making that customer feel good? Is there a process for that? I mean, you know. I think you'll get some, some difference in opinion. If I was to make a checklist, um, it, might, it might honestly start with marketing. You know, how does my image of my shop look? What are people saying? Um, I don't know. One of my heroes is Steve Jobs, and I remember him talking about the customer experience and using the white box. You know, for years and years when you bought something, it came in a brown box, and he was thinking, you know, what's the customer experience with this product? And even from the time that they opened up, like, the first iPhone and it came in this pretty box and the way it was displayed, it was a really good example of him thinking about the entire process. And that, that for the customer, that starts with how do they even find you? Are they finding you in Google? Are they finding you from someone? And what are they going to say? 
And all this leads into the sales process because it's building up your company. And the, the better you're built up, the less you're going to have to work to sell them. So it does, for me, it starts with marketing and how we presented ourselves. And all of that culminates in a phone call. And yes, how we answer the phone, how friendly we are, can we get you in right away? Um, did we record your complaint accurately, yada, yada? Did we, did we take care of your transportation needs? Um, and then, yeah, once you finally get the car there and you've, you've done, hopefully, your inspection and you're estimating right and you call them, have you built any rapport with them? When they first dropped the car off, did you, like you said, the walk-around Cecil, did you notice the, the sports team sticker on the back? And, oh, did you see the game last week? People buy from people that they like. You said that. Um, and, you know, and there's a lot more. I mean, you could keep going down the list. I mean, how to, you know, draw out objections, things like that. Um, talking about what's right with the car is a great one. Hey, I saw your car. Uh, really, really clean. You got some miles on it, but it's super clean. Do you like the car? What's your timeline for the car? Would you like to get? We were joking at the shop, I don't know, a week or two ago, and you get that customer who comes in and he's always like, I'm selling this car. I'm not putting the money into it. And he's been coming for two to three years now and always saying, I'm getting rid of the car. I don't want to. It's like, uh, look, you, you've been coming here for two years saying that. You're obviously not getting rid of the car. Let's talk about, you know, what it's going to take to keep this car going because that's what you seem to want to do. So. So it's it's really interesting to me when you when you think about it how many different systems and processes. I'm going to go backwards just a, a little bit here. Bruce Oliver said, uh, since you're talking about inspections, do you have your text pull air filters and cabin air filters on every car? Um, I think today that's that's going to you're going to get different answers to that um, because it's so in in our shop. It, there's another question by Greg Buckley. He's curious. Do you write up every maintenance ticket as a PM service or something other than an LOF, uh, a lube oil filter or an oil change? Um, and I think the two things are somewhat tied together. I mean, cars have changed. When I was working on them, you know, you just had the air filter on top. You undid the little wing nut. You looked in. There it was. Today, you've got cars that it takes a half an hour, an hour to get to the air filter. And I certainly don't want my technician spending that time on, you know, every time the car comes in to look at that air filter, that cabin air filter, it takes a lot of time. So I would tell you that under those circumstances, my recommendation would be to put it in a second service. So once a year, you get a cabin air filter, you get an air filter, it's part of the service because we've deemed that to be necessary for the maintenance of your vehicle. And uh, there may be some people that disagree with that. I'm fine with that. Who cares? You can disagree all you want, but if I had my shop today, that's what I would do. Um, I would also say, you know, I don't do an oil change, and I've never done oil changes because I don't want to be compared with the oil change or the LOF down the street. Um, we do a service. Uh, in our shop, we did a minor service, which was the oil change and the inspection. We did an intermediate service, which then included the, the tire uh, rotation, uh, looking at the brakes, uh, the cabin air filter, and the air filter. And that's how we chose to do it. Now, somebody's going to write a thing in and, and say, that's not how I do it. Okay, do it the way you want to do it. But if I'm recommending it, that's the way I'm recommending it. Um, do you find, uh, uh, Patrick, you, do you guys, do you do oil changes in your shop? No, we do oil service. Okay, so you do a service. We do an oil service. Mm -hmm. do you, and, 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 and you're and, not in your head, it, yes, on cabin air filters and air filters. Are your guys well, checking everyone? If, if they're accessible. Uh, okay. If they're not accessible, uh, then we have to make a phone call. Uh, okay. But most, most of the vehicles today though, that we're seeing, I would say 99%, everything's very accessible. They can check it in a matter of minutes. 
Okay. So as long as it's accessible, we check it. I just remember some of the Volkswagens and things where it was like a half an yeah. hour, 45 minutes to get yeah. to the air filter. Yeah. And uh, maybe they've solved that problem. Ryan, do you guys do a, an, an oil change? Uh, no, we do a service. And, you know, I think regardless of what, just call it a service. I mean, you can, I think the real debate is what are you going to charge and are you going to magic price that? Are you going to do it at your shop's full labor rate or are you going to try to compete a little bit? Uh, but our service uh, includes an oil change and also includes an inspection and, and most likely a tire rotation while the, while the car is there. Um, so we call that an oil service. And in our shop, yeah, we don't charge quite the full rate, but we're certainly a lot higher than your standard oil change. And I think you really need to explain the value of that to your customers. Um, I read an article recently about trying to compete with quick lubes and trying to be a quick lube. And I understand people want it to be convenient. I think there are ways you can make it convenient. You can get them a ride, get them an Uber. But I don't believe personally that I can do a good job, you know, getting somebody in and out in 15 to 20 minutes because it does not allow time for the inspection. That is the crux of the service. Whatever else you're trying to throw in there, whatever you're trying to charge, the number one thing is that inspection because if you let someone's car leave without spotting something that could be a safety issue or could save them money, uh, you really haven't done them a good service. Um, I think I think that one of the things that have hurt dealerships is the quick lube uh, in their bays. Um, it's not in my best interest to have a quick lube, and it's not in the customer's best interest. If you don't have time to inspect the car, if the customer is, is rushing you, you're not going to inspect the car. You're not doing what's best for the car. My recommendation is, is no quick lube, no waiters in your shop. And uh, it's funny because one of the comments was, um, you know, I'm really nervous about this because we have different guys who've gotten rid of waiters. And, and uh, man, what, what do I tell someone that's been waiting for years and now I'm telling them they can't wait? You know, cars have changed. And I think the way we take care of them has to change. And I think that's a good lead into your car is different than it was than the car you used to have. Uh, and, and today it's more about looking at the car. Um, uh, uh, Kent, you have a brief announcement for us. Keep it short. Yes. Uh, so the time change, we've been talking about it for a while, but we're going to change the, the slot for the leading edge to Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, just given some of the comments and, and, and working around schedules, we want to create a better uh, visibility for everybody. Um, also being able to get bring in more people on these, on these podcasts um, so that we have better content. Um, so that's and going to be 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Wednesday. So from here on out, starting in two weeks, it'll be on Wednesday. So it's actually starting in 13 days at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, uh, 11 a.m. Mountain, uh, uh, noon, uh, sorry, guys, in, in uh, Central Time, and 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, and then if you're Hawaii, I guess you have to get up really early because we have some viewers <laughs> in Hawaii. Um, all right. Uh, uh, do we, uh, you know, um, uh, a weight oil change with an inspection has never upsold anything on that inspection, according to Hans. Uh, Hans, I, I would agree with you. I think I think we're not putting the customer in a good um, in a good position as a waiter. Now that's another reason why we have loaner cars and things like that. And that's probably an, another uh, uh, that's another webinar. I want to go um, I want to go back into kind of this idea of marketing and having a process for marketing. Um, you know, Ryan talked about a process for marketing. Um, uh, uh, Patrick, what do you think the process for marketing is? Well, for my shop, um, we have to track everything. Uh, so anything 
I've, I've been trying a couple different things. Um, but my, my thing is you got to track it. You got to see what kind of return you're getting on it. You got to see, uh, what kind of, uh, clients you're bringing in and see how effective it is. Um, I'm kind of in charge of marketing in my shop, um, which is not my strong suit. <laughs> um, so I've been uh, a little bit all over the place, uh, trying different things, uh, finding out what works, what kind of return we get on it. Um, uh, but the problem that, I, that I've seen is uh, most people don't, don't do any marketing. Uh, so there's no process in place for that whatsoever. Um, again, it's going to be different for everybody depending on what your goals are. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're happy with the way it's going, good for you. Uh, for me, uh, we've got to, whatever I do in marketing, I have to do for at least three to six months to see what kind of return I get on it. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Um, you know, I think... Uh, for me, one of the most important things is that I determine the kind of shop I want to be in, the kind of customer mm -hmm. I want to work with. And then I know what to do as far as marketing, uh, whether or not to discount, you know, whether or not to have added value things, uh, et cetera, for my client. Uh, I'm going to make a, sh a shift here. I'm going to make a comment. And, and my comment is uh, uh, I think systems and processes are great. We have lots of them. We have, we have almost everything documented for a typical shop. And we also have a process on how to write processes. So if you're interested in that, you know, send us a message, and uh, Kent will send that out to you. And that's the uh, the institute at ifrave.com, uh, and uh, and, we'll, and we'll get that, and we'll send you that that process. Um, automation. I, I want to automate my shop. I, I need processes, and and I need to kind of define that list. Now, there's an article I wrote years ago with 28 basic processes you need. Uh, I can't remember where I wrote it, but if you put Cecil Bullard in, you know, processes to run your business, you're probably, it'll, it'll probably come up. Um, automation for me is also about not just having the processes, but having a good uh, uh, um, person and a good management process uh, around that. Um, we, we have a few minutes left, not a lot. Uh, uh, Ryan, what's your management process uh, uh, for your staff? A couple of the processes that come to mind um, would be regular meetings uh, and the tracking of the KPIs. And I mean, that, that human resources piece comes into it. I think you have to explain the vision of the company. You know, what are we trying to be? Uh, and I think a great off-the-shelf vision for a lot of independent shops is we're just trying to be on the leading edge of our industry. It's an exciting time uh, to do that. And so we're trying to get people engaged and excited here we have a lot of opportunities here um and you know every shop is not going to be perfect we're all going to have our own independent issues and we need to have some benchmarks uh, i think you can often find those benchmarks uh, by comparing yourself to other shops either through the magazine articles facebook groups uh, 20 groups and kind of get an idea you know what are these other shops doing what are our goals for me it's always a balance of uh the staff needs to be happy and i want that chaos factor to be low customer satisfaction, obviously, and profitability. If I get all three of those, kind of how we go about it, I would rather the staff be empowered and engaged to, to decide the specifics of how we get that. And so we look at that every week. And, you know, when, when, when say, the finance doesn't happen, then I'm going to go in and I'm going to say, well, did we not have enough cars this week? Uh, or, we okay, we had enough cars, but we didn't find the work. Okay, we found the work, but we didn't sell the work. Or something else happened. We discounted, yada, yada. So 
I use that, all those reports that I talked about on a weekly basis. Um, and if there isn't a problem, great. You know, then we can just sit around and have a free lunch and talk about it. Has, has there ever been a week where there wasn't something we could work on? Um, you know, for me, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think looking at those KPIs and, and, and working with your staff and bringing it up, you know, this is who we want to be. Is this really the average operator we should have? You know, is this the sell rate we should have? Is this the opportunity we should have? Are we doing our best job possible? And doing that on a regular basis with them and having them, uh, uh, you know, bring us uh, uh, comments and ideas is, is wonderful. All right, we got just a, this is the last gasp. Um, uh, Patrick, uh, automating your shop, what's the number one thing that you do to make your shop uh, run without you having to be there? Uh, re regular meetings, empowering uh, my people, setting goals uh, for them, uh, helping them to achieve those goals, um, positive reinforcement. Uh, I always try to say three good things before I have to talk about the ugly thing. Um, uh, and, and having people you can trust. Uh, and, you know, for me, it's about more about results. Hey, this is the outline of what I'd like. This is who we are, right? And th these are, this is the steps I'd like to get here. How we get here, as long as we get here, I'm okay with, as long as we're doing everything ethically. Um, so I try, to, I, try to, I try to keep it uh, so that they can find their way to that, to that goal. So I try to set the vision, set the standard, and let them find their way to it. And you're, and along the way, you're, 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 you're directing them. You're helping them come up with the right answers and solve right. their problems. Right. Um, all right, um, uh, Kent. Uh, I know you're not a shop guy, but what do you think's the most important thing for automation? <clears throat> for automation, I would say first define the goals that you want to have happen. So, this is how I'd like things to be. This is the outcome I I want to expe expect from it. Next, I would say plan. So if you don't have the time to figure it out, plan the time to figure it out. Um, put it on the calendar, put it ahead of time. Even if it's 20 minutes in, in three days, that's 20 minutes further or closer to your goal than you would have been if you just kind of tried to slam everything together. Do not shoot from the hip, please. Um, <laughs> and then going forward after planning, it's implementation. So now you have a plan and, and an idea of where you want to go, implement it. And as you're implementing it, you need to have certain things that you're going to measure and report back to you that are going to tell you whether or not you're closer or further away from those uh, things that you'd like to have happen. And don't forget the follow-up with the employees yes. when the job is done. Uh, it's a step that gets missed an awful lot. Kent, you've obviously Let been paying attention to uh, what we teach here at the Institute. I love the fact that you are right on, you're, you're right on with everything you said. Um, Ryan, uh, uh, last gasp here. What, what's the number one most important thing for you to automate your business? Mm. I think the number one um, is finding the right people. I mean, if I had to pick, I mean, process and people, it's kind of hard. <laughs> uh, you got to balance the two. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I kind of need both. I think. Um, yeah, I, I've been really lucky to get some really awesome people in my business. I can't be more thankful for, especially with how hard it is to find people. Uh, I've just been, yeah. I've been real lucky. So, but I think I think there's this idea of if you build it, they will come, um, and I think that's no more true. Um, uh, you know, it, it is so true in the automotive industry. If you give, if you build a, a place where people can thrive, uh, be independent, have some control over their lives, uh, be successful financially. 
uh, work in a good environment, that good people will show up at your door. I truly believe that the universe provides when we create the environment for success within our businesses. And so for me, I have to have the plan. I have to know what it is I want, and then I have to get the good people, and then I need the process. I think it's a, it's, it's a, um, you know, a three-legged stool. And I think if one of those things is missing, if the plan and the ideas are not there, I'm in trouble. So I have to, like Kent said, I need to, I need to set aside some time to plan on a regular uh, basis. Um, and then, uh, and then I need to have great people, and I need to be looking for great people. How often, Patrick? I try to do it. I try to do it every every quarter. I put out a, an ad, get them in, and you know, both. I'm looking for good people all the time. All right. Uh, uh, last but not least, our next. Uh, you can find us. Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for attending this. Uh, you can find us on uh, Spotify and iTunes at The Leading Edge. Look for uh, uh, this logo right there. Uh, and you can find all of the podcasts that we have there. And this one will be on in uh, a few days. Uh, you can also find us on uh, Podbean at uh, institutesleadingedge.podbean.com. Uh, and uh, you can submit your questions and topics for future Leading Edges on the Institute at iforade.com. Uh, um, join us on the Institute group. Uh, we'd love to have you there with other shop owners. We have a very strong following there and uh, a lot of help there. Uh, uh, thank you so much and uh, have a great day. And we will see you in 13 days on Wednesday. Join us next time on The Leading Edge as we talk about creating and selling value to your customers, employees, and yourself. Keep your eyes peeled for information about our new after-hour show. We're introducing educational pieces, heated debates, and industry-leading guest appearances. The Leading Edge is now on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, every first and third week of the month. Join the Institute group on Facebook and get advice from other top shop owners as well as our experienced consultants. Brought to you by the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Thanks for listening.